Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome podcast. Welcome to episode 66 of the Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. What's cracking? You know, I want to share a few things with you before I roll out this episode's conversation, which, by the way, one of the greatest examples of reinvention I've ever seen. But I do want to start by sharing something personal which happened recently, something that I consider, frankly, one of the highlights of my entire life. Fact, one of the most surreal days of my entire life, our eldest son, Jake, graduated from the University of Wisconsin School of Journalism and Mass Communications a couple of weeks back, and my wife Janet and I could not be any more proud of Jake than we are. He busted his ass at a really rigorous academic high school to get into what I consider one of the best universities in the country, and he left the comfort of Southern California for Madison, Wisconsin, where he knew nobody and yet absolutely thrived. Now, while that decision may not be for everybody, it was one of the best decisions that Jake has ever made. And if that weren't enough, I was asked to deliver the commencement speech to he and his fellow graduating seniors that day, which I did. So, Jake and I shared the same stage the day that he graduated with a degree from the School of Journalism and Mass Communications from Wisconsin. Now, while he's not going to follow in his old man's footsteps and go into sports, he's already begun working at a production company in Madison. He tells me the future is, in fact, the reinvention project and that he's got some ideas to help me out here. Needless to say, I am proud as hell. And I think the only one more proud than me was Janet, who saw her son graduate and her husband deliver the commencement address. And let's not forget about our other son, Logan, who partied his brains out. is finishing up his senior year of high school and headed off to Boulder to go to the University of Colorado. So we are really proud of him as well. It is graduation season at the Rome household. Hashtag empty nest. So in keeping it real, let me just say this. Janet is looking for her next mission. She's been running the house. She raised two awesome dudes. She's looking for the next thing while I'm doubling down and pushing myself as hard as I possibly can mentally, physically, and emotionally to continue to create the best content that I can, both on our daily sports talk radio and TV simulcast, as well as right here and in some other spaces. So how am I doing that? How am I doing that? By making a choice, by deciding, by committing, by committing to my mission, my mission of reinvention, my mission of making my next 25 years my best 25 years. I have a brand. I have a reputation. I have a legacy that I care deeply about, and I'm going to do everything I can to not only protect it, but to enhance it, grow it, improve it. That's my mission. That's my obsession. And I'm going to see it through by taking massive Daily action, fueled by extreme ownership, tremendous discipline, and a world-class mindset and attitude. Let me tell you something. Nothing sucks. I want to repeat that. Nothing sucks. Everything converts to fuel. Convert what you think sucks 
to fuel. Nothing sucks. Everything converts to fuel. So if you're stuck in a spin cycle or you're ruminating or somebody or something is in your head and you can't snap out of it, snap out of it. Snap that pattern. Convert it to clean burning fuel. It's just a decision. It's a choice. It's a commitment. Make it. Then put that boulder on your shoulder and you go. My message to the graduating seniors at Wisconsin is my same message to all of you. No hacks, no shortcuts, no magic pills. You want a magic formula? You want one? Here it is. Three words. Write this down. Write these three words down. Do the work. So, my guest this week is also one of my best friends, somebody that I have profound respect for, profound respect for his grit, his grind, his intellect, his commitment, his extreme accountability and toughness. If it sounds like I admire the hell out of this guy, it's because I admire the hell out of this guy. I love him. I'm extremely proud of our friendship because not only did we come up together, I like to proudly say that Eric Musselman and I go back farther than anybody else that I know in this business, literally. I first interviewed Eric when we were both 23. He was the coach and general manager of the Rapid City Thrillers of the Continental Basketball Association, and I was a fledgling talk show host in small market Santa Barbara. And we have been very good friends ever since. We have always had each other's backs through all the highs and lows ever since. Not only do I think Eric is one of the best coaches and leaders in any sport, not just his own. I've always felt that he pulled off one of the all-time great personal reinventions as a rising young star and two-time NBA head coach to having to start all over and go ride buses in the minor leagues of that sport only to rebuild himself into the monster that he is right now on the collegiate level. Yes, I love this guy, and I love this conversation, and I know you will too. It's episode 66 of the Reinvention Project with Arkansas head basketball coach Eric Musselman, and it's coming at you right now. So I've always said it must. Not only are you one of my best friends in the world, but you may in fact be my first friend, my first friend in this business, at least so much as it's the longest running friendship and relationship I have in the business. You and I literally must came in together. We came up together. I interviewed you for the first time when we were both 23. So to say we have history would be a gross understatement. And then on top of that, I always felt even before I developed this podcast, I always believed that you were one of the greatest greatest reinvention stories I had ever seen in the business. So it goes without saying, I have immense appreciation for you, and I appreciate another chance for you and I to chop it up and compare notes. Muss, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing great, JR. Thanks so much for having me on because I love listening to this podcast, and and, uh, it's a true honor to, to join you. You know, it's something we should have done sooner, and I'm really glad that you do listen to it. You know, you've had, must an unbelievable career and an even more incredible basketball life, top to bottom. I could start anywhere, but let me, and I usually don't do this on this program, but I want to jump right into the reinvention aspect of it all, because you were something of a prodigy of sorts, getting a chance to be a head coach in the NBA at a really early age. You said that you wanted to reinvent or recreate who you were after you were fired by the Sacramento Kings. For those who don't know, can you take us back? That was the mid-2000s. At that time, Eric, what kind of a headspace were you in? And then how did you go about reinventing or recreating yourself? 
What you know, as I look back, Jim, I mean, the first time I was fired um, after Golden State and being there for two years, I knew that I was going to get another. I shouldn't say I knew, but I felt very confident that I was going to get another NBA head coaching job. And so uh, I went and joined Memphis as an assistant coach under Mike Fratello um, and then got the opportunity in Sacramento. When 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 fired from the Kings, Jim, I did not know where my career was going to go. Um, I did know that I was going to get paid for three more years. I knew that I wanted to, you know, reconnect, uh, have a deeper relationship with my two sons. Um, and so I, I spent three years with uh, my two sons, Michael and Matthew, helping raise them um, kind of as a single dad. Um, and then all of a sudden this reinvention stuff started started happening. I, I, I originally went to the G League, coached in Reno uh, for a year, and then coached the, the Lakers G League team. And when I didn't, as a coach, get a call up, so to speak, saw many of our players getting called up, a lot of the referees getting called up. Um, at that point, you know, I decided, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go a completely different route. I'm going to go to the college game. And I had never coached uh, at the collegiate level. I, I had gone straight uh, from playing college basketball to the pro game. Um, and so it was a complete, you know, new environment, although it's the same sport. Um, not many guys that have coached two NBA teams as a head coach go and become a college assistant. But I knew that I didn't know enough. Um, and so that's kind of where this new collegiate journey has, uh, that's where it all started, so to speak. All right. So Eric, you're doing an amazing job at the collegiate level, but go back to what you said. Like when you, when you lost that job for a second time and you went to the minor leagues and you know, you knew that life before, because when you and I met, you were in the CBA, which was the minor leagues. And that was a wild, wild time, but that was prior to getting two NBA jobs. How is it that when you went back and you were willing to go back and pay the price, why is it that players were getting a call up, even referees were getting a call up, but somebody with your pedigree wasn't getting a call up? What was going on? Well, what I what I did too, Jim, is I spent a lot of time trying to study um, coaches that had gotten a third chance at being an NBA head coach, and there's not many uh, at all. All right, so I admit I'm a little bit late to this party, but better late than never, and I'm so glad I found out. I'm talking about Element. Element. Element helps you replenish electrolytes. This can be after having a few glasses of wine, to working out, to keeping an active lifestyle. It's not enough just to drink water. You have to replenish your electrolytes. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means lots of salt with no sugar. It contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams magnesium, and with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, flat out. No BS. I felt so much better since I began using Element. I used to get headaches. I don't anymore. I used to feel kind of beaten down and fatigued. 
I don't anymore. I feel so much better. Element is used by everyone from NBA, NFL, and NHL players, Olympic athletes, Navy SEALs, to everyday moms and dads, and exercise enthusiasts. And right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets, free with any Element order. It is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at Drink. LMNT.com slash Rome. This deal is only available through my link. You have to go to D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com slash Rome. Drink LMNT.com slash Rome. And, and, and so I knew realistically, I sat there and said, you know, it's, it's going to be hard. So you have a choice when you're fired as an NBA head coach. And really the only choice that, the the almost 99.9% of the coaches do is they they automatically go be an NBA assistant and you put three to four years, you hope you're with a good team, you get back on the map and maybe you get another opportunity. I did not want to be an assistant coach. I wanted to go back to the minor leagues where my roots originally were. I wanted to prove that I could help develop players, get them ready for the NBA. Uh, and, and then I also wanted to, you know, prove that, as a head coach that, um, you know, I wanted to continue to work on my craft, become a better after timeout coach, uh, explore different style of play, work with uh, different players from year to year or even week to week as it was in the G League. So that's the route I took. It did not get me back as an NBA head coach. And then we had a family meeting and said, hey, we're going to go the college route. And it's, it's interesting because I think about my wife, she meets me right after I've been fired from the Sacramento Kings. So she thinks that she's marrying a coach that's going to be an NBA head coach. And then I go to the G League. Uh, we're living in an apartment, uh, both in Reno and then with the with the L.A. Defenders. We moved to another apartment in L.A. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we meet we have a family meeting. And, and, and before you know it, I'm an assistant coach at Arizona State. So, um, you know, ego. I uh, had to really be pushed at the side. I can I can promise you that um, when I look back at the two years in the G League and 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 then the the three years as an assistant coach, two at ASU, Arizona State, and one at LSU. All right, so that's it was such a key point, Musty. that you had to check your ego at the door. I was going to ask you about that. Listen, I know you, and I know you really well, but if people didn't know, like I know you're about the craft. I know you're about the grind. I know you're about the work. I know you're about paying the price. Nonetheless... You went from, and you had earned it, but you went from staying in five-star hotels and charter flights to riding the bus from Reno to Bakersfield. What was that like? <laughs> well, I mean, it's just, it's it's so weird because, um, and, and a lot of people say it, but I, I love, you know, to coach. And um, I looked at like those bus rides as, you know what, this is another way to bond. This is another way to connect um, and, and, and to, to have the opportunity to be in charge, to call your own timeouts, to impact games. I just, you know, I, I, I never looked back and said, well, maybe I should have gone and been an assistant coach. I just, I, I looked at it like I was becoming a better coach because I was gaining experience, um, in that head coach's chair, but there's no question, um, the travel, the hotels, I mean, the per diem drastically changed. 
lifestyle changes. I mean, you go from living in a nice house to living in, yeah, I lived in the same complex uh, that our players lived in, um, in the G league. So uh, everything changes, but again, I think you put everything in perspective. And then the interesting thing is once the G league season was over, uh, instead of hanging out with the parent team or maybe traveling with them in the playoffs and being an extra scouting hand, um, I, I decided that I was going to coach a um, couple years in, in the Dominican Republic as their national coach and then also uh, followed that up with Venezuela. Um, and those are really difficult uh, conditions to coach under as well. But again, I was gaining head coaching experience um, and having a, a great deal of fun doing that. Moss, I was going to ask you about the DR. What were the elements like? I mean, I know that when you came up in the CBA, there might have been long bus rides and crazy things about payroll and promotions. But in the Dominican Republic, what were the elements like? How challenging did it get? Really challenging. I mean, um, you know, there was there were some practices where um, on both baselines, it was open air. And um, and there would be sunlight coming in on certain parts of the floor. Um, we practiced at different facilities. Um, you know, the hotel, maybe not what uh, you would be used to, um, you know, as as a as a as a coach here in America. Uh, but what I found was a was a really passionate group of guys that wanted to get better. Um, but but challenge for sure i mean uh financially even the you know the the practice gear it, it was a challenge for sure but one that uh, again just just the the humbleness that that the that you have to to do uh that job um really as i look back i would never trade that experience for anything i mean much you went from the very 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 top to almost the back of the line and having to start over completely You've always been an absolutely relentless, relentless person in the way of preparation and discipline. But at any point during this process, did you lose your mojo? Did you lose your confidence? Did you lose your swagger? How did you go about rebuilding yourself mentally and emotionally? Well, I, I, you know, you get, you try to talk to as many people that you think are mentors and, and you know, advisors, family, friends, people who maybe had a similar background. Um, but, you know, it was interesting, Jim. I, I'll i never forget talking to a, a prominent um, NBA agent. And when I was getting ready to go take the G League job, he said, you know, right now, your last job was the head coach of of, uh, of the Sacramento Kings. That That's where your perception is right now, which is, which is as an NBA coach, basically. And he said – the minute you step into that arena of, of, of going back and being a G League head coach, you're one of that fraternity. And a lot of those G League coaches, uh, you know, people might not know their names or, or, or who they are. Um, and, and so from a prestige standpoint, this agent was trying to tell me, hey, just have some patience. Everything's going everything's gonna to be fine. You're in an upper echelon from a perception standpoint, and I just got to the point where I, I just want to coach. Um, and, and I wanted to be a head coach and, um, you know, so from a headspace, uh, instead of saying, you know, take the safe route, 
take the normal route. Uh, I decided, hey, I'm going to uh, I'm going to go do this G League for one or two years. I'm going to prove uh, that I belong to be an NBA head coach. But unfortunately, even with the results, Jim, because we had two incredible years, broke a ton of records, um, both in Reno and uh, with the L.A. Lakers G League team, but but did not get the call. And and uh, and then that's kind of what led me, you know, to, to really dive into the college game. And I said, hey, from a competitiveness standpoint, you know, I want to I want to prove that I can I can I can I can coach at the collegiate level and really had no idea when I took the assistant coaching jobs at the college level where it would where it would take me. And let me take a moment and talk about one of my favorite products ever, one of my favorite companies ever, a company that I've partnered with for several years now, Omaha Steaks. I love this brand. I love this product. And with Father's Day right around the corner, now is the perfect time for you to reacquaint yourself with Omaha Steaks. Such a great product. Here's what you do. You go online to omahasteaks.com, and then you get $30 off when you use my name, Jim Rome. 30 bucks off when you use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code at checkout, and get off your qualifying order. So many great packages, including fork tender, bacon wrap filet mignons, or gourmet grillables like the air-chilled boneless chicken breasts, burgers, Jumbo Franks, and many, many more favorites. I love every last one of them. And don't forget, you have to save room for dessert. Their desserts are incredible, and most gift packages come with four delicious caramel apple tartlets. Also, check out the other hand-selected packages that are guaranteed to make Dad's Day. It's the perfect Father's Day gift. Hey, listen, if there's one thing we all know, it's that Dad wants steak. I know I do. So whether he's your father, father-in-law, or father figure, he is the guy who is always ready to step up when you needed him most. So step up for him right now. Go to omahasteaks.com. Use my name, Jim Rome, as the promo code. When you place your order today, receive 30 bucks off your qualifying order. That is promo code Jim Rome, R-O-M-E, to get 30 bucks off your qualifying order at omahasteaks.com. Minimum order may be required. See site for details. See, it seems to me, Musk, what I'm hearing from you is, number one, you were able to humble yourself. That's really important. Number two, you were willing to bet on yourself. That's really important. Number three, you always had a belief in yourself. You mentioned that it was a family decision, a family decision to go to the college game. And you also mentioned that when you and Danielle got together, you were not far removed from the NBA. What, and she's really strong-willed, and she's been really prominent in your career. At any point, you know, not to be too personal, but at any point did she say, hey, now, this is not what I signed up for. I did not sign up for bus rides. This is not what I thought I was getting myself into. How did it play out for her, and how prominent a role did she play in helping you get back to where you are now? Well, she, I mean, she played a really big role, Jim, in the decision-making process because she was, you know— in, in the media, uh, that was her job. And, and so what, what happened is she gave up a, a six figure job, um, cause she had worked at ESPN and the NFL network. And so when I, when I, when I went to the college route, I mean, she basically had to give up a career, um, which at that point, you know, she, she had, to, she left the NFL network for us to, to go to Arizona state. But the, I'll never forget it. Family dinner. My two sons, Danielle and I, we talked about, you know, hey, we don't know where this is going to take us. 
Um, it's a completely out of the box, you know, route to, to go. Um, and the interesting thing, after two years at Arizona State, we, we moved back to the Bay Area. Not many people know this because uh, there was a, a very small time frame between moving back to the Bay Area and when I took the job at LSU. Uh, but Flip Saunders called, who was, you know, the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves and asked me to, to join Flip as an assistant coach. And, and, and Danielle's the one that said, no, we have, we have this opportunity with LSU. We have this opportunity with the Timberwolves. We said we were going to make a commitment to the college game, and that's what we're going to do. Wow. And with, without her uh, strong-willed opinion, I probably would have, uh, if it was just up to me, Jim, I would have I would have gone back and, and joined Coach Saunders um, and, and been back in a comfort zone because my dad had been the head coach of the Timberwolves in their inaugural few seasons. So that was a real turning point. Uh, in the career decision to, uh, that that's now got me where I am at Arkansas. What a great story that is. And Flip, of course, Eric, I know you loved him. He was your guy. I could see where you would have gone back there. He was definitely your guy. One more thought about you going back to the college game. Not only, Eric, when you got into the college game, not only did you go to the college game, not only did you not, not start as a head coach, you weren't even a number one assistant, all right? You had to start a couple of chairs over. You were like the number two assistant. What was that like for you? I mean, it was just, you know, I mean, it was unique, um, you know, because Diedrich Taylor was 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 the associate head coach at Arizona State. Uh, he and I both had interviewed for Fullerton. He got the Fullerton job and he's still uh, there. So um, when I look back and think about like I, I, I learned an appreciation for how hard it truly is to get a college head coaching job. I mean, I remember sending my re resume to schools like uh, Campbell, the Campbell Camels, and, uh, and not even hearing back. Um, and I, and I, can, I can probably, Jim, list 30 schools that over a three-year time period, uh, um, I reached out uh, to either uh, via, you know, an email, a phone call, an agent reaching out, um, and there just was not much respect amongst college administrators for an NBA background. Um, and so, you know, when you, when you try to get jobs in, you know, in cities that you don't even know where they're located and you can't get an interview, um, that'll humble you really, really quickly. Eric, I mean, you're one of the best coaches in any sport at any level, and you're talking about programs, and I've been in this business 30-plus years, that I've barely even heard of that you can't get a return phone call from. And I think even in this conversation, you've been very careful not to be negative or use any kind of terminology like, that was rock bottom or those were dark times. But what was going through your mind? I mean, were you angry? Was it putting a chip on your shoulder? How did you process not getting phone calls back from schools you've barely heard of? <laughs> well, um, there was never a rock bottom. It was it all it was doing was burning uh, a fire inside of me. Don't let me get an opportunity to coach college. And oh, by the way, if I do, I want to try to schedule this team, that team, that program, that as quick as possible. Um, 
because you know, like San Jose State was was so close uh, proximity to where my sons were going to junior high and and high school. And I remember I was begging the athletics director just for an interview, and could not get a face to face interview. Well, you know, fast forward a few years later when I was at Nevada, and you can look those scores up whenever we played San Jose State. Uh, they were not 15 or 20 point wins. They were, they were much deeper than that. Um, All the, the rejection did was drive me uh, from a competitive standpoint to a, to a completely new level that I didn't know I really had. Eric, were you at any point in your life, do you remember, were you ever depressed? Did you ever get down? Was that just not in your DNA? I don't ever remember you like that. And you've you've had some certain you've had some incredible moments, but it's been tough and it's been a fight to get back. Were you ever depressed? No, never depressed at all. Actually, I mean, uh, you know, if if uh if you get you know, if you can't get a phone call back from from like you said, schools that maybe you don't even know their, you know, their, their mascot. Um, I, I never got depressed at all. It was, you know, Hey, maybe I'm, maybe the, you know, the, the Campbell camels is, is too high for me. Maybe I need to look at point Loma in San Diego or, you know, cause, cause I wanted to, I just wanted to be a college head coach, um, you know, so bad. Um, but what, you know, I, I feel like when I got to LSU and I, and I had been doing it for three years, I kind of felt like, you know what, um, something's good is going to happen, you know, because then the interviews were starting to happen. Although I was not, I wasn't closing the interviews, um, interviewed at South Florida, couldn't close the interview. There was five or six that I interviewed with the Cal bears at, at least two different occasions, couldn't close the deal. Um, and that was new for me. You know, even the NBA head coaching interviews, I I, I was able to close the door in the interview. And, and that was not the case at the collegiate level. So uh, the cool thing is when you, as you, as you gain experience and you get older, if you're still learning, I mean, that's probably the coolest thing about our industry. Eric, what is that? Like, I know you. I know, I know how you got those NBA jobs because you and I were friends when you were applying. I know you went into those teams with giant binders and you had a layout and an explanation and a vision for everything. And as a young person, you were able to close NBA jobs. Why were you not closing the college game or college jobs? Were you perceived as a pro coach still yet? Why were you unable to close as you were older and knew more? Well, I think the biggest thing was was recruiting, and then and then the other thing too is, you know, no offense to, you know, to college administrators, but but you know they're in charge of a lot of different sports, and when you interview um, in the NBA, you go up on the on the dry erase board, uh, they're 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 asking you, you know. All right, you're out of timeouts. There's 10 seconds left. You know our personnel. Diagram a play, or they'll ask you, uh, "All right, how are you going to solve uh, the pick and roll uh, with Allen Iverson in the middle of the floor?" Diagram how you're going to do. The, I never got any of those questions uh, talking to a college admitted. Not even anything close. Um, and so um, the preparation uh, that that I felt you know, was needed at the NBA level was, 
was way more X and O, uh, way more basketball centric. Um, and then, and then a lot of times in college, it, 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 it was two or three phone calls. I'll never forget the university of Minnesota. Um, I was so excited. My dad had been the head coach of the golden Gophers. Uh, I, I actually was, was, had an airline ticket to meet in Florida with their administration. Uh, and I, I had three to five books had spent countless hours studying their film to know their personnel inside and out, uh, had put together what I thought was the best collection of an interview process that I could ever go through. I went to check in for my flight and the flight was no longer there. Um, and then I come to find out late, 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 well past midnight um, that they had come to an agreement um, with Coach Patino to be the coach. So all these things, all these experiences, um, again, just kind of drove me, um, you know, that maybe, hey, maybe I need to know more about the college game. And maybe three years wasn't going to be enough from a preparation standpoint. All right, so this brings me to the point in the conversation, Eric, that I hit in almost every single conversation. But, I mean, your drive, like you were relentless. You were relentless. You were, like, irrepressible. You were not going to be denied. You never got down. You always reframed it in a way that, all right, all right, the feedback I'm getting is maybe I need to change my course. Maybe I need to go about it a different way. Maybe I'm not ready yet. I mean, what is this, Eric? Is this hardwiring? Did you pop out like this? Were you always like this? Is this your DNA or is this culture? Is this the way you came up? Did you learn this? I don't think I learned it. Um, I mean, I guess you could say I learned it because my father was as competitive as, as, as any human being that I've ever met. But I also think it was kind of in my DNA as well. I mean, anything that I can remember, um, I always wanted to try to win, um, in everything, whether it was Pac-Man against my dad, whether it was one-on-one -on -one games, um, you know, against, against a neighbor. Um, and it's interesting because my, my daughter is, is in competitive dance and she's such a bad loser that my wife, Danielle always says, this is Musselman DNA. Like, you know, this <laughs> is from your half of the family. My my half of the family or my side does not act like this after a, a, a loss where it just, you know, it eats you up. Um, so I'm going to say I truly think that to some degree you're kind of innately you have that inside of you. I, that's so funny. That's really funny that Daniel says that. Listen, Eric, you – the basketball fans listening right now know. They know your dad. They know your dad is an icon. I think there are people who listen to this podcast, though, who don't even know the sports background that I have or know it to any great extent. Take a moment. Talk to me about your dad. For those who don't know, what was Bill like, and how close were you and he? Well, you know, to answer the second part, JR, how close were we? We were best friends. Um, I talked to him. Uh, when I went away to college, I talked to my dad every single day hmm. um, until the day that he passed away. Literally every single day, uh, we would talk on, on, on the telephone. Um, he was my, you know, my idol, my best friend, the person that I looked up to. Um, and, and he had a perception of being very, which he was, very, very intense on the floor, 
a great X and O coach, but, but for those that were really around him, there was a whole nother side. I mean, uh, one of the first road trips I, I was part of, he actually uh, got to the hotel before the team. He hid uh, in a closet of, of one of his players. And when the player checked into the hotel room, he popped out of the, out of the closet and scared the play. So there, there was a lot of things that people did not know uh, about how he connected and would be, you know, play practical jokes with staff or players. Um, but he was really intense and he had a big impact on a lot of great coaches. I think about, you know, Tom Thibodeau, who got coach Tibbs, got his start under my dad with the Timberwolves and, and, and all the players that he impacted that went on to coaches like Sidney Lowe and, and Sam Mitchell and Scotty Brooks and, Scott Roth, who just got, you know, the coach of the year in the Australian Pro League. So just a lot of coaches that he really, really impacted, whether they played for him, went on to become great coaches or they coached under him and, and became great coaches. Mm. So, Eric, you and I'm trying to be respectful of your time, but there's so many interesting things I wanted to ask you. But let me ask you a couple of quick things. You obviously have a culture for your basketball program in Arkansas, a great, great culture. Do you have a personal culture as well? And if so, how often do you turn that over? How do you approach that? I mean, for yourself. When you say for yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, for me, there's, you know, and, and maybe I, I hope that I'm answering this the right way. For me, like culture is about, the, you know, what do you do on a daily basis? What do you believe in? Um, what are your core principles? Um, and then just like players need to be coached, um, I need to be coached. Um, and so I, I have a, a, a small group of guys, Michael Lombardi being one of them, um, that as a coach, I need help. Um, I might call Michael Lombardi and ask him, hey, what, what would you do in this situation? Uh, you know, a, a, a player uh, was late to a team meeting. Uh, you know, some, some reaction happened in team. How do you handle that? Um, Phil Nevin uh, is another close friend who usually comes and spends – a week with me here, either either while we're in training camp or watches a couple games when we play on a, on a midweek and a weekend. I, I I love to ask, you know, Phil Nevin, Brendan Sir, who was Chuck Daly's, um, you know, right hand man for so many years. Those three guys in particular, I love to uh, try to have them coach me. Uh, maybe one of those guys will call or text me about my own personal body language during the course of a game. Um, so I, I think culturally, personally, I want mentors and I want guys to try to help me become better, um, better coach. And then, you know, personally, you know, my wife helps me become a better husband and better father. Um, and then you gotta, you gotta listen to those people that, you know, have your best interest, um, and, and, and try to make it all blend together. I think it's amazing, Eric, that one of the best coaches I know, you, also feels the need to be coached by others. Let me ask you this. Mental health is a bigger topic now than ever before. I know you talk to your players about it. How do you personally manage stress? It's a high-stress position you're in. How do you manage it personally? Well, you know, I think for me, you know, I, I take – every morning, regardless of what's going on and, and try to lift weights an hour a day and try to do an hour cardio. Uh, 
that's a stress release. Um, you know, every night, uh, nine o'clock to 10 o'clock, there's no phones. And my wife and I watch a show together and, uh, and we do that every single night, uh, except, you know, on game nights. And, uh, so mental health is it's, and, and everybody thinks that mental health is just in regards to, you know, the younger, um, generation, so to speak, it's with all of us. It's, it's, uh, how do you step away? Um, how do you be able to wake up the next day with energy, effort, enthusiasm? And the only way to do that is kind of recharge your battery. Um, and, and you do kind of got to get away from it. And I think, you know, the one thing that you learn at the pro level, uh, maybe even more than college where you're just kind of grinding every day and you go from recruiting to games to back to recruiting. I think guys that the NBA level, NFL level, Major League Baseball, they they have a way of 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 recharging their battery and getting away both mentally and physically a lot better than people at the collegiate level. How do you do that, Eric? I was going to say, how do you avoid burnout? Well, I I, I think you like I said, I mean, no matter what, I'm I'm working out. It it doesn't matter if the most important recruit uh, you're in you're in the middle of a recruiting battle. It doesn't matter. Uh, if, if I travel, uh, all night, or if we get back late from a game, I'm still getting up in the morning. I'm going to take those two hours regardless. And the, the nine o'clock, the 10 o'clock, like people that are close to me know that like that hour is, is my wife's time. And, um, and, and those two things, I mean, that's, that's three hours out of the day where I'm not doing basketball and that's that's three hours, pretty good chunk of time uh, to kind of get away from it. And, and then that allows you to, to go full throttle with great intensity, uh, you know, the time that, that you're not sleeping. Uh, and, and that's that's kind of the way I've gone about it. And it's really worked out well for me. But two quick thoughts, Eric, you told me probably 20 years ago that you worked out two hours every single day. I mean, is this non-negotiable? Are we talking about on travel days? Are we talking about when the shit hits the fan? Are we talking about you always work out two hours every day, no days off? Two hours every day. It doesn't matter if if, if we, you know, for instance, we, last summer we, we traveled to Europe. And, uh, you know, when we landed, I found a way to, to get it in. And, and that's it is non-negotiable. And it doesn't matter if... Uh, you know, Peach Jam, our biggest recruiting in July is going. I'm going to figure out a way uh, to get that in, and it's it's a habit. And and I don't know. You know, my wife says it's a disease now. Um, you know, to try to to try to do that no matter what. But it but it's it's the greatest stress reliever and the best thing for me mentally that I do during the course of the day. And not only that, Eric, I know you, you multitask. You don't just work out. I've seen you do cardio. You're always, you're reading, you're doing something. Last thought, if nine to 10 is show hour for you and Danielle, I've got to know, give me a show or two. What are you guys watching right now? Or what's been a good show you've watched lately? <laughs> we love power. Um, power has been, has, has been what we've been uh, into, but, but she, I don't know how, uh, but she does an incredible job of finding new shows, and I'm not really into it at first, and kind of rolling my eyes. And, same, uh, dude. Same. That's the same thing in our house. I'm like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch that. I'm like, damn, this is good. <laughs> it's amazing how that works. I kind of let her. 
uh, choose. And even during the NBA playoffs, like, you know what? We, we still try to get that 60 minute in, even though I'm like, you know, I got to tape this playoff game and watch it once she falls asleep. Um, but that that time just does not it, it, it it's not going to deviate in the you know as long as we're married that nine to ten is happening. It's non negotiable. I thought of one last thing. You know, you and I have talked about Bill so much. What about your mom? What about your mom? What what have you learned? Leave me with this thought. What is something your mom has taught you either about life or basketball, personal or professional, that has stayed with you? Well, my mom's got incredible perspective. Uh, she's really competitive as well, um, but she has incredible perspective. She's like a visionary. I always kind of talked about how she could pre- pre- kind of project, predict the future. Um, and, and, and she's really like, as I look back at my life, that's really been the head coach. Um, good decisions were made by her on school districts, maybe that, 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 that I was able to go to, I look at financially the decisions that she made on what houses to buy and what neighborhood, and then the value that would go up over time. Um, so my mom was, was, was really the brains. My dad was the one that had the intensity, the drive, the energy. Um, it's, and now it's interesting that that's kind of come full circle in my life. And, and I look at my current, you know, Daniel, is kind of the same way as as what my mom kind of did for our family. Well, you've always surrounded yourself with the best and the brightest must. The thing I love about you is I keep asking myself and my guests, is it possible? Like, here's the goal, to make sure that our best 25 is in front of us and not behind us. You are one of the rare guys that I know for a fact. Like, I would bet on you. I would buy stock in you right now that as great a run as you've had, your best 25 are definitely in front of you, not behind you. And I would say, you know what? Anything's possible then, right? If you can and you apply yourself like that, even in our late 50s, there is no reason to believe that our best 25 can't be in front of us as opposed to behind us. At the same time, it would apply to anybody at any age. Would you agree? No question. I, I think, like, competitively, it's so interesting. I mean, I'm 59 years old, and, like, my goal is to how can I get my cholesterol level lower than it's ever been? That's, like, a <laughs> that's my goal over the next 12 months. And uh, I, I kind of find these mental games, like, how can I be better than I was 10 years ago, whether it's, you know, because you, you, you can't beat father time on the treadmill or lifting weights, uh, but you can in other areas. Like, how do you eat healthier? Uh, how do you stay more mentally fresh? How can you learn more? All those things you can control, uh, you know, as long as you're breathing and, and, and living. So I agree, you, you know, each year has got to be a better the year than the year before. Must, what can I say? I could do this for hours and hours and hours, but I don't want to cut into lifting or cardio or recruiting or tape or showtime. So all I can say is, Must, you are the best. You know, you got my love and respect. I'm so glad you came on the podcast. And really, you are one of my best friends. I appreciate you, Must. That was so much fun. I appreciate you, Jim. Appreciate the friendship and and, uh, love, love listening to this podcast. So thanks for having me on. So what can I say? Muss is the type of person that I still aspire to be. Smart as hell, extremely disciplined, focused, tactical, driven, innovative, inspired, and shot out of a cannon every single day. And he says he's never, ever been down. He doesn't get depressed. 
On top of that, he's an incredible husband and family man, in addition to being one of the best coaches I've ever known. So I hope you enjoyed this one as much as I did. And be sure to follow the Must Bus and the Hogs this season because I know for a fact the Must has a little something for everybody. He always does, but I know especially this season. If you appreciate what you hear here, I would love for you to hit subscribe, review this pod, and share it with anyone who you think might benefit from it. In the meantime, you know I appreciate all the emails, all the letters, and all the great feedback I'm getting from those of you who are listening. It means the absolute world to me. So stay on your grind, keep pushing, and I will see you next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.